Well, you might say to yourself, Scott, did you intend to go live just now? And the answer is, nope. Nope, you are accidentally live. Uh, my problem is that I was taking my uh, profile picture in which I was wearing these dark glasses, which requires you to then push the proper button while your eyes are concealed. <laughs> so I pushed the go live button instead of the take a profile picture button. So here we are a little earlier than usual. We've got 12 minutes until real showtime, uh, and I can either turn it off and start again at the right time, or I can just start you early. What do you think? Why don't we uh, take some questions while we're waiting for the official simultaneous sip. Uh, Looks sunny there? Well, no, actually. (laughs) It's completely dark here. Let me show you. What you're seeing is that the the light is a little high for some reason. Did China hack today? Yeah, they, they hacked my shades. But you can look out the window here. Pitch black. Or the beginning of a day. Uh, Let's see your bathroom. What? That's the weirdest question of the day. Will California survive? Yeah, we'll all survive. We will all survive because we're awesome. The judge just released a forensic audit of Dominion voting machines? No, that didn't happen. I don't believe that there was an audit of Dominion voting machines. I don't think that happened. Um, Was the Vietnam War good for America? (laughs) I don't see how. These are the most random questions. I kind of like random questions. The simultaneous sip will not happen until the appropriate time. Uh, Chinese misinformation is already blaming Russia for the hack. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, what's Chris? What's Christina getting for Christmas? Well, she spells her name with a K, first of all. Well, I'm not going to reveal any Christmas secrets. <laughs> what's, what's the approximate time? So at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, we will uh, go live with the show. I, for those of you just streaming in, uh, there, there are two buttons on the screen when I'm getting ready to go live. One of the buttons retakes the, the uh, thumbnail picture that you see, and the other one goes live. And uh, unfortunately, I hit the wrong button again. What kind of workout do you do? Well, I'll tell you, my gym is closed. I'm in California. So my workout situation is uh, getting kind of bad right now. I have to admit that if I don't get out of my house, it's really hard to work out inside the house. Way harder than I thought it would be. So I'm going to need a new system for that. Uh, What's with the pictures lately? I don't know what that means. Uh, How can you say the Great Reset is a hoax when it came from the World Economic Forum? Well, what do you think is the Great Reset? So everybody's asking me about the Great Reset, and let me tell you what this is. This is what I call word thinking. So the Great Reset is 100% true if you define those words, Great Reset, 
to define what's actually happening. And the Great Reset absolutely does not exist if you define it to not be what we observe happening. So to say whether the Great Reset exists or doesn't exist is nonsense because everybody just puts their own meaning to it. So does your meaning attach to that word? Well, if you want it to. But it's not up to me to say that the the weird definition you've put on some words is either right or wrong. It's just what you did. Um, Now, beyond that, I think there's, there's nothing to talk about beyond that. There are certainly people who would like to use the pandemic as a as a jumping-off point to make some good changes, in their opinion. But there are lots of people who would like to change it lots of different ways. There's nothing really that's changed. Um, If you would like to be more specific on this question of the Great Reset, which I say is uh, just a conspiracy theory, despite the fact that real people have said it out loud and there's a book about it, I think what's happening is people are conflating what people are really saying with what they imagine they really have in mind or something like that. Somebody says, you're missing a lot. Well, let me, let me admit this. Let me admit, I am aggressively ignoring the story because it's so obvious that it's not true. <laughs> there are some things that you sort of have to look into to know if, it's, if there's something to it, and there are other things you really don't. There are things you don't need to look into them to know that they're not true. This would be one of them. Um, now, if, here's, here's how you'd know if the Great Reset is true. Um, and ask yourself, and again, I don't even know what's included in the Great Reset. You know, something about changing the economy, socialism, global world order, I don't know, whatever. But give me the one thing that you think people are suggesting as the Great Reset. Just one thing. One fact under the umbrella of the Great Reset that you believe is true that you don't think I think is true. There's your test. Name one thing about the Great Reset that you believe is true, just a specific detail of a thing that will happen, that you think that I don't think is true. I bet you can't find one. And I don't think the Great Reset is even a thing. But yet, I'll bet you would find no detail that we would disagree on. Uh, UBI, cashless society, yeah, of course all of those things will be tested and phased in over time. I think that's a guarantee. Nobody's talking about a dictatorship. Global socialism is the same conversation we've always had. Some people want it, some people don't. There's, what's different? Why do you need a new name just to talk about some people want socialism and some people don't? Uh, forced vaccinations. I mean, these are not part of the Great Reset. These are just things that some people want. They're going to inject us with nanobots, somebody says. <laughs> New World Orders renamed. Yeah, I guess first you would have to figure out what is the Great Reset in your minds, and then tell me what is the one biggest part of it, you know, the element that you think really captures the essence of whatever issue you think this is, and then tell me that you think that I disagree with that. Because I think it's going to be something such as lots of people want more socialism. Right? <laughs> okay. So is that something we just learned, that lots of people need want more socialism? I don't think so. Uh, 
Klaus Schwab is right out of central casting, somebody says. See, I, I'm just not paying any attention to that one guy. Because I hear you saying, Klaus Schwab wrote a book about the Great Reset. So? A lot of people write books. Um, it means nothing. Organized global governance. Show me somebody who's in favor of that in the public eye. I mean, other than it would be good to have an organized world. That would be good. So I don't think that's a problem. And I hope you are enjoying your little extra time here on pre-coffee with Scott Adams. All right. Yeah, all that Bilderberg stuff. Here's what I think is true and what is not. So I've told you, some of you before, so we've got four minutes before we go live here, I've told some of you before that in the past four years I've gotten to see a little bit behind the curtain. So there are a lot of things that I did not know were true a few years ago that once you sort of get to uh, know some of the insiders, you hear the real story of things behind the scenes. And I've got to tell you, the real story of most things is not very close to what's in the news. When you can talk to the actual people involved, it's just always completely different. And... Uh, but I have not detected an Illuminati. <laughs> I have not detected any Bilderberg stuff or any Davos stuff or New World Order or any of it. So I, I, I'm pretty far behind the curtain on a lot of stuff. You know, there's, there are people who are further behind than I am. But I've been pretty deep under the hood of what really is happening in this country, and I don't see any of that stuff. That, what's really happening is just lots of individuals battling for their own little corner of control. And lots of those individuals know other individuals. And on any given issue, you could see certain elements by, you know, uh, getting together to make some issue happen. But it tends to be individuals and individual issues. What I've never seen once is any organized group of people or even anybody who knows of them or somebody who's rumored about them or anything about some organized group of people trying to be, create a new world order and any of that. So uh, as, as, as deep under the hood as I've been for the last several years, I would have seen some of that. I mean, I would have seen something to suggest that some of that was true. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty far you know, behind the curtain on a lot of this stuff, and I don't see any of it. Now, there are, there are plenty of things that are surprising you know, when, you get, when you get behind the curtain, but none of it in that realm. Get your eyes checked, somebody says. The Illuminati, somebody says the Illuminati has their own website. So it must be true. Open Borders Society... Yep. Um, they openly say it at the UN. So? There, there are people who openly say lots of things that aren't going to happen. There, there are people, people openly calling for everything you can think of. So it doesn't matter that people are calling for things. That has no predictive, uh, no predictive benefit. All right, we are one minute away from the best time of the day. 
In case you wonder what happens in the minutes before I go live, you know. This is when I print out my notes. And if my computer would maybe work for a minute, there we go. This is where I print out my notes, and while I'm waiting to go live, which is happening right now, Hold on for a second, you YouTubers. I gotta bring, gotta bring the uh, Periscope people online. You ready? Here we go. Boom. Bottom, bum, 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 bum. If you hear that sound, that is my printer printing out my notes for what will be. Best show ever. I'm trying to reach this without ripping my microphone and my lapel. And I did it. Yes, I did it. Well, congratulations. You made it to the best show in the whole world. Yeah, it's this one. And if you would like to maximize your pleasure, I think you know how. All you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalices, diana, canteen, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Please excuse the humming sound you hear as I close my motorized shades and adjust my lighting to make it perfect for you. Now, if you'd like to join me for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine of the day, the thing that makes everything better except Dominion software, it's called the Simultaneous Sip, and here it comes. Go. Uh, Yes, I have to tell you that uh, I accidentally hit the go live button on YouTube uh, a number of minutes early as I was was trying to uh, wear these funny glasses on YouTube and uh, click the button for my profile picture. But when I have those glasses on, I can't see the screen and I hit the go live button and, well, it doesn't matter. So... We hear that uh, the city of Portland has negotiated with the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups in the autonomous zone to leave the autonomous zone. So there you go. It turns out that uh, Portland has cleared out the autonomous zone. Now, my suggestion is that they leave it the way it is after they get rid of the people, and they turn it into a uh, a museum for socialism. Because we have a Holocaust museum, Right, and it's very valuable, so you don't forget your history of the Holocaust. I feel as if it's good to have a museum for any big event so that people can not have to relive it, right? The whole point of the Holocaust Museum is so you don't get another Holocaust. It's pretty important. I would say as museums go, the Holocaust Museum might be the most important museum of all time because it keeps, us, it keeps it in our memory. But I think we also need a, a socialism museum. Just keep the autonomous zone as crappy as it is and you know, just say you can't clean up the graffiti and you can't fix the broken windows. You have to leave them boarded or whatever. And make it like a historical zone so even the business owners don't have a legal right to fix up their business. Say, oh, I know you want to fix up your business and get back, back to business, but we can't let you do that because we've declared it an historic zone. So historically, you had a broken window. You're going to have to keep that because the tourists are going to want to see it just the way it was. One of my better ideas, I think. 
We'll just make that... Because let me be honest. If you went to Portland, let's say you felt it was safe to go to Portland and you were going to be there anyway on business, and you knew that there was an autonomous zone that you could go visit to see what socialism does in just a few short months, you'd, you'd check it out, wouldn't you? Quite seriously. In all seriousness... Wouldn't you check out the autonomous zone? If you were in Portland, anyway, you might not make a special trip there. It's not like, you know, uh, it's not like a Gettysburg uh, or something. But if you were there anyway, you'd go look. All right, so I saw Newt Gingrich asking this question on Twitter. He said, uh, why would uh, Georgia Secretary of State Raffsenberger refuse to release the list of newly registered voters? What's he trying to hide? Why? Georgia legislature should demand. Now, is that information that we're not allowed to have? I don't know if there's any confidentiality element to that. I don't think there's a confidentiality aspect, right? Might be. But if there's no confidentiality of the people on the list, why can't we see the list of recently registered people? Because it seems to me that the list of recently registered, if there were a problem, that's where it would be. Do we all agree? Well, let's put it this way. Would you all agree that if you saw the list of recently registered people in Georgia and you scrubbed through it and you audited it and you found that there were no real problems, what what would you think of the election in Georgia if you could actually see that the recently registered people were almost all entirely legitimate, what would that tell you? Uh, for me, that would be a game changer. I would still think, well, you got all these other places, there could have been problems, and I'd be very concerned about them. But this is sort of the biggest question in my mind. If, if you could, let's put it this way. Let's say you had the ability to ask one question of Georgia about the election. Just one question. Maybe your one question could be, you know, can I see the, the voting machine software? Or maybe your one question is, can I see the, uh, can I check the names on the ballot envelopes? But you only have one question, and that's it. And if your one question doesn't find any fraud, you don't get any more questions. You're just done. My one question would be, show me the list of recently registered people. Now, if this checks out and is clean, I would go, that would go a long way toward convincing me that at least the, the balloting part of it, the physical balloting part of it, wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Right? It would be the one thing that would actually make me think, huh, I was pretty sure that there was you know, a high chance for fraud, but if, if the entire recently registered people in Georgia were all legitimate, or you know, 99 point whatever, if they were mostly legitimate, I'd kind of drop my objections, I think. I'd still have all these questions about the software and things, but those are ongoing questions. I would definitely drop my objection if that list turned out to be clean. Because I feel if there's one place you're going to find mischief, that's where you're going to find it. Not that there isn't mischief anywhere else, but if it's not there, then I'd, 
it'd sort of be a little bit easier to convince that maybe the election was close enough to fair. But if you can't show me this, if you can't show me the one most likely place there's a problem, and I'm guessing just in context, I don't know this for sure, but in context, because it's being asked for, I'm assuming that we can legally have it. There must be a legal process to get it. Pretty important, don't you think? (laughs) All right. Uh, There are more reports, uh, credible-sounding report. That doesn't make it true, but it's credible-sounding. From a Democrat who worked for Governor Cuomo, who said that uh, he sexually harassed her for years. I think she worked for him for three years. So when she says four years, it's maybe three years or something. And she says, many saw it and watched. I could never anticipate what to expect. Would I be grilled on my work, which was very good, or harassed about my looks? Or would it be both in the same conversation? Uh, This was the way for years. How bad do you think it was? Because uh, I'm going to say this without... um, I don't know if I can even do this. You know, the way the world is today, it's hard to have any kind of nuance. But I'm going to try to do it. So I'll start by saying I don't have an opinion of whether the allegations are true or false. I don't have an opinion. I would say it falls into the category of credible sounding. So, you know, it's it's in the category of things that have to be taken seriously, but that has nothing to do with whether it's true. You can take things seriously and then find out they're not. But it's credible enough, and she's a Democrat, and she worked for him, so you don't imagine that she has some political reason. And she's even running for office as a Democrat. So she doesn't sound like the kind of person who would make something up, but you never know, right? Anybody could lie. So... Here's what I'd like to know. She's very nonspecific about these charges, except that she referred to uh, being harassed about her looks. What do you think that looked like? If you were to imagine, you know, if somebody says she was a female, she worked in the governor's office, and she was, quote, harassed about her looks, try to imagine what that looked like. Could be, it's a pretty big range, isn't it? And I think the range goes from uh, a guy from an earlier generation who didn't quite know where the, where the line was. Again, I'm not defending him. There's no defense being offered here. I'm just describing that Cuomo's a certain age, and there's guys at a certain age clearly don't have the, the vision, if you will, to know where the line was, because the line in their minds or in their experience, they imagined the line was somewhere else all their life, but maybe it wasn't, if you know what I mean, right? They always imagined they were doing things that were okay, but maybe they never were. They're just finding out about it now. So what did that look like? Did it look like an older guy who was a little clueless complimenting uh, an employer, an employee too creepily? Was that what it was? Was he was he saying that she looked good, but he shouldn't have, because it's not, not appropriate in the office? Probably. If I had to guess, it probably was in the category of comments about her attractiveness. Now, do you think that Cuomo would be aware that he was doing something wrong in the context of what he felt was a compliment? 
Now, again, I don't know the details. Maybe he did something. It could be that you know, there was something worse going on there. But if what he was doing was awkwardly complimenting, because she's not specific, so we don't know, but if he was awkwardly complimenting in that you know, two-sexual way, in, in, you know, in our current times, I think everybody agrees that that's inappropriate. So there's no defense of him. But I feel like it's important to know what it was, right? Because wouldn't you feel differently about it if Cuomo was just clueless and he just sort of thought he was being friendly and complimentary, but in fact he had crossed the line and he was, he was inappropriate? I feel like that's a whole different crime, right? Being <laughs> every, In the comments, everybody's making comments about Italian. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say that that's part of the story, but it would be true that some, you know, let's say some people with different backgrounds might have a different opinion of what is appropriate. That's, that's fair to say, but we don't know if that's part of the story. Uh, I just feel like, it w- in all fairness to Cuomo, we, the public, having heard this allegation, should know a little bit more about it. Not that it's our right, I guess, but wouldn't you like to know more? I'd like to know if he was just being clueless, which feels like a different thing, even though there's a victim, right? That doesn't make her less of a victim just because he wasn't quite aware of what he was, he was doing. Uh, I guess we all agree with that in 2020. But I'd like to know how aware he was that he was doing something wrong. That matters. I think that matters. Uh, CNN, uh, Brian Stelter was mocking Fox News for its excessive coverage of the uh, Hunter Biden stuff. (laughs) So according to CNN, Fox is covering it too much, putting too much emphasis on it. And according to Brian Stelter, the more emphasis you put on it, the more journalistic judgment you're putting that it's an important story. Is that not an important story? that, well, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but it takes a lot of guts for CNN, who had been mocked for ignoring the story, to mock Fox News for covering it too much. <laughs> it's, is it not just funny at this point? It feels like it's just... Uh, it, it doesn't even seem like it's serious anymore. The, the difference between... Uh, Stelter mocking Fox for covering the biggest story in the country. Uh, how is that really different from an SNL parody? I mean, the, the parody reality worlds are, are bumping into each other pretty hard right now. All right. Uh, so I was reading in uh, uh, Epoch... T- Epoch, I never know how to spell it, but Epoch Times, and other places that uh, the biggest story is that this company called SolarWinds, who make software, SolarWinds sounds like it's a windmill company or something, but SolarWinds makes software. It's a software that many big companies and governments use. The problem is that SolarWinds has admitted that there was a hack that looks like it gave China what they call God mode access to anything that solar winds was touching. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, not everything. But basically, 
China had God mode access, which means they could control anything within the system that they had breached. They could change anything. And one of the companies that SolarWinds works with is Dominion Software. So as of today, this is what we know. That China had God access to the American voting software. Which means they could have done anything. Now, we're still waiting for a real confirmation because there, there is reporting that SolarWinds is part of the Dominion software suite, I guess, meaning that it was part of the system. And if it's true that you could get God access, we still, we still need to know if that really happened. You know, did... Did China actually really literally have God access to our voting system during the election? Because that's the accusation. As of today, that's the accusation. Don't know if it's true. Um, Like everything else, we don't know if it's true. Kind of looks true. Um, And I would like to be the first to thank China because, you know, it's easy to get distracted by what looks like the bad news, but then you would be burying the the big news. There's a much bigger story here, and nobody's reporting it, and that's why you watch me. You watch me to report the stories that are ignored by the major media, and and this is the biggest story. China had God access to our voting software, all right? So that's the part we think we know as of today. What we also know, because the news uh, is pretty clear on this, There's no evidence of Russian interference in our election. Is that great or what? No evidence. We have not had one report on CNN of any Russian interference in the election. Now, if China had got access to our elections and Russia did not interfere, what does that tell you? Well, put two and two together. China obviously saved us. China is the only reason we had a free and fair election because they got into our software with their God mode and they kept Russia out. Thank you. Thank you, China. Because imagine if China did not have full access to our voting software. Russia, Russia would get in there. Putin has poisoned people. You can't trust Putin in your software, right? The last person you'd want in the world to be in your voting software would be Russia. So thankfully, China got there first and prevented Russia from throwing the election to Trump. You know they would have. Putin loves himself. He loves him Trump. So the fact that Trump did not win, I think we can conclude that China saved us. They saved us from Russian interference, um, and they did it just by f- hacking into the software that it got into our would have given them access, hypothetically, to our voting software. Um, By the way, what I just did is a hypnotist trick called getting inside someone's illusion. The illusion is that we had a fair and free election. If you argue it and say, no, we didn't, then the other side will say, what? Show me the proof. And you'll say, well, I don't have proof but I got a lot of evidence. I got lots and lots of evidence. And then what will the other side say? 
well, why did the court ignore all your evidence? And then I'll say, well, they didn't really look at the evidence. They looked at the standing, and they looked at whether they wanted to overthrow an election, and they decided not to do those things. But they never really looked at the evidence. So you're saying you have no proof. No. So you're just using the words wrong. Proof would be something that the courts or science might do. Evidence is what gets you into the court. That's what gets you into the court. And then once in the court, you would have a chance to prove or not prove. So we never got to the point where the question of proof is really even the question because we didn't get to where we could determine if there's proof. So what you're saying is there's no proof. Yes, yes, technically, that is what I'm saying. But you do get that there can't be any proof the way our system works until you got the evidence into the court and then maybe you could find out some proof. So since we didn't get the evidence of which there are mountains, thousands of affidavits and statistical likelihoods, but that mountain of evidence never got into the court, therefore it couldn't become proof. And then you're the person you're debating with will look you right in the eye and say, so you're saying there's no proof. That's how that would go if you just argue it directly. If you don't argue it directly, you do the hypnotist trick, which I just did. I modeled it for you. The hypnotist trick is instead of denying somebody's story, which you know is bullshit, you enter it. You enter it like it's true. That's what I did. And I thanked China and said... Thank God you saved us from Russian interference. Now, the problem is that by entering it, I ruin it. So instead of attacking it where it stays coherent, whoever is defending it keeps it coherent as best they can. But if you enter it and acknowledge it as true, yeah, there was, this was a fair and free election, and there's only one way it could have happened now that we know China had God access. The only way this free and fair election could have happened is Thank you, China. Because it was their decision that it be free and fair, not ours. Did you have God access to the election? Because if you had access to the election software, I'd be thanking you, because apparently you kept it free and fair. That's what the news reported. It was free and fair, despite having an open door. So, anyway, that's the hypnotist trick. You get into the illusion, you accept it as true, and then you ruin it just by talking about it. Like it's true. It's very effective. Um, So, let's see what we know so far. Um, You all know that uh, Google went down all morning. And here's what's interesting. Google did not only go down, it all went down. (laughs) From Gmail to, to YouTube. Now, ask yourself this. What kind of a problem would take all of Google down? Now, you can see lots, you can imagine lots of problems that would slow things down. You can imagine, I think we've all experienced Gmail being down, but it's just down by itself. Have you ever seen all of Google go down? All of it? What would cause that? Could it be a bug? Could it be a bug? Probably not. Because if you're telling me that Google is so sensitive that they would have that one bug could take it all down, 
I mean, what kind of bug would that be? That's a big bug. I doubt they've architected it so that one bug could take down all the unrelated systems. Maybe. I mean, I can't say that's impossible. There might be some central thing that connects them all. But somebody says a power outage. Power outage probably wouldn't take it all down because I imagine their power is backed up. It's distributed against servers around the world. What, What would it be? Now, do you think that China hacked them and took them down? I doubt it. We'd know about that, right? If it had been a China hack, that's the first thing they would have told us. YouTube, or I'm sorry, Google would have said, we have some foreign hackers, going to be down for a while. Don't think it was that. Let me tell you what it probably was. And this is just speculation, right? So there's no, there's nothing except timing. I think Google had maybe a solar wind problem. I think it's possible that Google said, uh, do we use that software that gives you God access to all your systems that China has uh, hacked? Do we have any of that? And, and just, I'm just going to make a guess, pure speculation, that, that uh, YouTube realized they were massively violated across their products. And they took it all down to get rid of the same hack or the same vulnerability, because it would have been across all products. So, was this solar winds thing so bad that the entire uh, Google spectrum was infected and they had to take it all down at the same time? Or is it the biggest coincidence in the world that Google had its biggest you know, downtime that, across all products at the same time we find out that there's this nearly universal software that seems to be in lots of big companies that has God access and China uh, controls it. Which do you think is more likely? Coincidence or these two stories are connected? Because it would be a pretty big coincidence, wouldn't it? Just asking. And by the way, have you seen anybody else ask that question? Am I the first one to connect those? Um, I don't know. I would think other people have made that connection. doesn't mean it's true, by the way. I'm not alleging it's true. I'm just saying, wouldn't you be a little curious about whether there's a connection? Uh, somebody says in the comments, did Google try rebooting? That's, that's always the good thing to try first. <laughs> if we'd only thought of rebooting. All right. Um, one of the most interesting things about this hack uh, and China's bad behavior... Because we also know that China, we found out they have 2 million Chinese Communist Party members working in various industries and governments around the world, and now we know who they are. So we know that. We know they're sending us fentanyl. We know that they're uh, doing all manner of bad things. And the funny part is that Trump is going to leave all this for Biden because there just won't be enough time for Trump to do much about it. So Biden is going to be left with the biggest problem in the world... China, in a, in a hot war that just happens to be a, a cyber war, but it's a hot war. It's definitely not a cold war. And Biden will have to do that while he is the weakest president we've ever had for this challenge. I've told you before, and I'll tell you a million times, there's no such thing as a good president or a bad one. That's not a thing. There's no such thing 
as a good president who does a good job or a bad president who does a bad job. And if you think in those terms, you're just fooling yourself. What there is is some presidents are well-suited for some kinds of challenges, and maybe those challenges happen to come up during their term. Perfect. But there are other challenges where that same personality that is just tremendous doing this other stuff is just the wrong fit for the new thing. For example, who's the best one to negotiate with China? I would say Trump, by far. Not even close. Now, whether or not Trump could have succeeded ultimately with China, we don't know. But there's no question he was the right personality for it. Who was the right personality for the coronavirus and telling us to wear masks? Not Trump. Trump was not the right guy to be in a science-related conversation, even though I would, you, know, you could argue he was more right than the experts. But the public did not like his personality, which had been painted by his critics as being non-scientific. They didn't like that match of him with that task. What happens when you match Biden with the task of a war with China at the same time that his own family has these Chinese connections. He's exactly the wrong guy. In fact, you could not, on paper, come up with a more wrong person for this challenge, which happens to be our biggest challenge, by far. Now, you could argue that the coronavirus is the biggest challenge, but it's also temporary, thanks to Trump. We know now that the coronavirus has a timer on it because the vaccines will take care of it in six months or whatever it takes. So our biggest problem doesn't require Biden. He is actually a pretty good fit for the, you know, wear your mask and do your social distancing and stuff. He's a pretty good fit for that. But it's not going to matter because the vaccine is what's going to matter. And that was Trump. So you have the worst mismatch you could possibly have of a President Biden who could be terrific for a number of things. I could easily imagine that President Biden would do a good job on health care. I don't know that he will, but it's easy to imagine that he could. It's easy to imagine that he could do, you know, lower the temperature of racial stuff. It's easy to imagine he could do that. He might be exactly the right guy for that. But he is exactly the wrong guy for our biggest problem, which is China. So here are the things that uh, we know for sure. And let me start with this. Could we retaliate against China if we wanted to? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't China still own too much of our critical industry? In other words, if, if we said, hey, we'll throw out all of your, your diplomats, we'll stop negotiating with you, or whatever, wouldn't China just say, well, I guess you're not going to have any pharmaceuticals? Wouldn't China say, well, so much for your rare earth minerals, which drive your entire tech business? Couldn't China say, well, so much for your national debt. We're not going to buy any of that. We're going to sell that as fast as we can. So have we reached a point where we can't break up with China because they own too much of us, but they can attack us nonstop as long as it's you know cyber and dirty tricks and fentanyl and stuff like that, and we'll just let them because we have too many entanglements? Because that's our current situation. Our current situation is that they're holding us by the collar and punching us, and we don't have anything we can do about that. 
Because if they let go of our collar, let's say their economic connections to us, their pharmaceutical control, or everything else, if they let go of our collar, we fall into the, you know, the abyss. But if, they, if we let them hold our collar and keep punching us, then we get punched to death. So China has created a situation where we have two ways to lose, no way to win. We can't break up with them, and we can't punch them back. Where does that lead? Can't leave them, can't punch them back, and they're punching us as hard as they can every single day. There's only one way that can go, and it's not good. So priority number one should be to bring our industry home, and it should be number one priority. Because if you don't bring industry home, and I don't know what we could do about debt, I don't understand that well enough, but if we don't bring our critical industry home as a uh, moonshot-like deal, I mean, this should be our next moonshot-like thing. I guess the vaccine was sort of a moonshot. But we should be bringing the industry back like there's nothing else that matters. We should be acting like we're at war and bringing these industries back is a, uh, a war powers act kind of thing. You know, we, we should just put a, a quarter of our economy on bringing that back because there's nothing more important. Otherwise, we just get punched to death. We have no, no defense. All right, so here, here's a list of things we know about our current situation. Some of these are connected and some of them are just sort of context. Number one, things we know. Joe Biden ran for president because he fell for the fine people hoax. He says so. Now, he doesn't call it a hoax because he doesn't know. So he literally ran for president because he believed a hoax, the most debunked hoax in American history. If, if there were only one thing to know, knowing that would be plenty scary. But number two... We know that 50 past and current American intelligence professionals lied to the American public about the Hunter Biden's laptop story being almost certainly Russian disinformation. At this point, you know they lied, right? Now, you could, if you were being very generous, you could say, well, there were 50 past and current professionals who were fooled, and they didn't know. Isn't that just as bad? Which of these two things is worse? That 50 past and present American intelligence professionals knew less than you did about Hunter Biden, because every one of you who was watching the story knew there was something there, and you knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. Am I right? Am I right in saying that every one of you watching this knew it wasn't true, when 50 of our current and past intelligent professionals said that it was Russian disinformation. I would say that every one of you knew that wasn't true. Every one of you watching this, anyway. I don't know about Democrats. But, so there are only two possibilities. That Brennan and 50 people that we thought were our greatest patriots turned on the United States. That's one possibility. That they turned. That all 50 of them are traitors. That's actually a possibility that all 50 of them committed a a form of treason, if you will, right in front of you. Or they're insanely incompetent. We're down to two choices. The choice we've ruled out is they are correct and, and honest. 
We can rule that one out, correct and honest. So they're either wrong and they're dumber than every fucking person watching this and they're the ones who are supposed to be the smart ones or they lied to you because they're traitors. Those are the only possibilities. And we're just living with that. We're living with that like that's okay. Oh, that's okay. I don't see a problem here. (laughs) Here's another thing we know. The so-called news industry is mostly involved in propaganda now. Wouldn't you say? That's a fair statement. We don't really have a news industry uh, in terms of politics. We still have news about, you know, technical advances and natural disasters, but we don't have a news industry when it comes to political stories because we can't trust any of it. I wouldn't trust a political story on the left or the right right now, would you? We don't have a news industry. We actually don't. It just became a propaganda industry. It's just two different sides. Now, sometimes you can glean what's true by, you know, triangulating the different bullshit stories, but we actually don't have a news industry. Literally, we don't have one. Now, there are smaller outlets that still will break a story. You know, New York Post and you know, Breitbart will break a story. But our biggest outlets are not even real anymore. They're not even, they're not even a shadow of anything real at this point. Here's something else we know. We know that China had a God-mode access to our voting systems. We think we know that. I'd still wait for a confirmation on that. We know that uh, China probably, and I'll I'll say probably, because we can't know this for certain, but China probably has lots of blackmail material on the Biden family. And put this all together. Let let me read these all together so you can see the the whole thing. Our leader in this country fell for the fine people hoax and still thinks it's real. Right? So he's a senior citizen who can't tell the difference between an obvious hoax and reality. He can't tell the difference. That's who your president is. That's real. 50 of our intelligence people, past and presidents, lied to us or are traitors or are stupid. That's real. The news industry doesn't exist in this country. That's real. That's not hyperbole. It is not hyperbole to say we don't have a news industry anymore. If we ever did. I don't know if we ever did. It's not hyperbole to say that China had God access mode to our uh, voting software at the same time that our fake news, the propaganda news, is telling us that there's a 100% chance that the election was fair. No doubt about it. At the same time, we know that China had access to our voting software. Can those two things be true? Can it be true that we know the election was fair and free, but we also know that China had access to do whatever they wanted with the software? Both true. No problem, right? That's what's being reported by the non-news. And, and once you realize that China has you know, uh, too much control over our economy for us to do anything, here's my question. Why are there any Chinese diplomats still in this country? Why is there you know, any of these 2,000 people who were uh, on the list that got hacked of Chinese Communist Party members who are in business and industry around the United States, is there still one of those people who's just went to work today? Is there somebody on that CCP list of known Chinese Communist members, Communist Party members, 
working on American businesses and government industries. Are any of those people, did they just go to work today? Is that how we play it? Oh, well, yeah, we're looking into it. So they just go to work? Did that happen? Just a question. Because if we have not already fired every one of them, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I have a bigger question. Why are there any Chinese diplomats in the United States? After we know these stories to be true, why are there any Chinese diplomats left? They should be gone 48 hours. We should have no Chinese citizens in our colleges or businesses uh, or even in embassies. We should get rid of all of them. And I don't know any way that that's going to happen because I don't think Trump has enough you know, energy left to do that in his final days in the office, and I don't think Biden can. So did we already lose to China? I mean, I don't think the game is over, but it's starting to look like we already surrendered. Because if we're not going to fight back, and that's what it looks like at this point, it looks like we're not even going to push back. We're just going to accept that they controlled our election software. We're just okay with that. <laughs> now, apparently in uh, 2018, there was a, was it a legislation or an executive order, I'm not sure, about what we would do or how we would retaliate if we found that a foreign entity uh, uh, influenced our elections. And apparently those retaliations would include you know, freezing all of their businesses in this country and basically putting a stop on the economic everything, you know, the banking, whatever. When does that get... Uh, yes, it's the 2018 executive order, EO 2018. And when does that come into play? Did we just make a, make a law and now we're just going just gonna to ignore it or an executive order? So there's an executive order on the books that is triggered by exactly the situation we're in. What's happening? Uh, have you heard the president say that we're not going to trigger it or that we are? I'd sort of like to know about that, wouldn't you? All right, so that's where we are today. And that's about all I have for today. Uh, it's going to be a tough next month because Joe Biden doesn't make much news and it's a slow news you know, time. So without a President Trump, we're going to have a really slow news uh, month or two. Maybe when Biden is inaugurated, things will get interesting again. But we'll see. Um, Bill Gates says lockdowns should continue into 2022. Well, I don't see how that would be a thing if we have vaccinations. So I don't know what that story is about. Um, somebody says that Michigan Dominion report is out and fraud was confirmed. I don't believe anything you see in the comments. So you should look into the look into that if uh, that's true. Uh, am I going to watch Biden do what? Get inaugurated? I missed that. Uh, let's see. We'll make it to $100 fine for interfering with elections. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just hypnotize us to be happy. Well, you know, uh, you can reframe your situation to make yourself happy. Uh, I gave a lesson on reframing on the locals.com platform, the subscription platform, 
where I give my little lessons on everything from how to be more effective to how to be more happy. So I save that for there. All right. Um, please have Gordon Chang on your Periscope. Oh, you know, uh, I do now have the software for live streaming uh, interviews. So it's the StreamYard software. It's the first thing I found that actually worked. So I'll probably do some interviews going forward. I don't know how many, but I'll, I'll do a few. We'll see if I like it. Um, so there's a Cre- Senator Crenshaw video. Somebody says is good. I'll take a look at that. Reframe Biden. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. That's all I got for now, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And goodbye to you on YouTube as well.